I could go for a double dose of that. How about y'all, church? The whole thing, amen? The whole thing. Man, to God be the glory, I'm telling you. Mm, 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 mm. We are blessed beyond measure. You believe that this morning? Do you believe you are blessed? We are blessed beyond measure by God's grace. He has graced us in so many ways. I am, whew, I am growing in grace, and I'm glad, you know. I'm glad I'm growing in grace, and I don't say that braggingly. I wish I'd have got there a lot earlier. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's times in your spiritual walk, in your Christian journey, that God finally gets you somewhere that you wish you'd have got there earlier. Well, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of there, you know what I'm saying, in growing in grace and in life in general, and so we're all a, a work in progress, and uh, so as we talk about that work, the Lord's work in us, the Lord's work in His church, man, it's such a blessing to see you all, our guests, our faith family members, your consistency and commitment, and uh, uh, it, it is, it's, it's encouraging, it's a blessing. Acts is, the book of Acts is where we're going to be at in this series. We kicked off last week, so I do want to give a little bit of reminder for those of y'all that may have been... Uh, finalizing summer, last vacation, last trip, or whatever. Maybe job didn't allow you to be here last week. And give a little recap as we walk through this book. I'll try to recap as we walk through the book. And that way, the, the goal and the aim is, is that you will not just hear a message or not just hear a sermon or not just remember one takeaway, but that God's Word through the book of Acts will get into you. Not just a sermon, not just an illustration. God might use an illustration but that God's Word would absolutely get into us and get into everybody because we do live in a world and a time and a society and even in the church that um, we're, we're, we've got a lot of people who are biblically illiterate. They do not understand what God's Word says. They do not have the Word of God hidden in their heart that they might not sin against God. They do not know the Word well enough um, to when they hear false teaching, as we talked about in Jude, to refute it or to know not to follow it. Uh, and so we want, to, we want us all to be strengthened. How many of you want to be strengthened in the Word? Like you want to be strengthened. Thank you, yes. We all have that desire, and so you pray for me uh, as one of your elders, as one of your main communicators. Pray for Pastor Henry as he helps with that, the elders as a whole as we do our part of, of listening to the Spirit, hearing from the Spirit, and, and, and taking us where the Holy Spirit wants to take us in our lives and then in the life as a church. Now, one thing I can assure you, I can't assure you what all that will look like. Sometimes my fault and mistake is, is in my excitement and seal. I want to tell you what all it's going to look like. Well, I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit, okay? So in my excitement and seal, I mean, it's like I, want, I, want, I, know, what, I know what I want to see, and I know what I want to see is what God wants to see. But what God will teach you is God will do the work of that, amen? And God will bring that in His timing. And God will bring that according to the Holy Spirit of the living God. And we just have to be faithful to trust God in that, to walk in that, uh, to learn patience in that, to learn long-suffering, and allow God to do His work. Well, that's where we find Acts chapter 1 that we talked about last week, is that's where the uh, disciples found themselves. Is they found themselves at a place, Luke closes out the first part, you could say really the first part of these two books, Luke and Acts, they go hand in hand. And so it's like he finishes Luke and he goes right into Acts. And so, um, but when he gets in, when he, get, when he closes Luke, he's, he's closing and showing the ascension of Jesus Christ. When he enters Acts, he's picking up at that last moment as that ascension is about to take place and what Christ is saying to his disciples. And what Christ is saying to his disciples is to go and what? Wait. Go and wait. 
And so the disciples have to go and they have to wait in the upper room. They have to wait in Jerusalem. And so we find that what happens in Acts chapter 1, what God and what Christ was wanting them to wait on was the person who Jesus said, I'm going to send to bear witness of me. Jesus said, I've borne witness of the Father and now the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness of me. So go and wait because he's going to come and, and you just aren't going to believe it. Amen. You, you just are going to be, you're just going to be amazed that when the Holy Spirit comes, what's going to happen, not around you, but in you. That's the difference. That's the beauty of being a New Testament believer and not an Old Testament believer. Amen. As we get to have the Holy Spirit in us. I know some of this is, this is making y'all nervous. Some of y'all think he's going to get it. He's going to get it in a minute. All right, so I'm going to move it because it's making me a little nervous. All right, so that I don't knock that off. Um, but what happens in Acts chapter 1, in, in Acts chapter 1, 8, Jesus is telling them this, and he's telling them this, that he says this, when this happens, basically, when the Holy Spirit comes and he is sent, you're going to be empowered. And you're going to be, not how hey, you have an option to be or you might be or whatever. You're going to, when you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest part and the innermost parts of the earth. And so last week's takeaway was every born-again believer. Why do we say born-again? Because born-again means not just head knowledge, not just understanding of the gospel, not just learning of the gospel. It means transformation to the heart. It means, it means a realization that you're in a relationship, not you're in religion where you just show up at church and, 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 and pat yourself on the back. And so it's about this transformation that comes from relationship with Christ. But every believer is empowered to be a witness. I got a message last, this past week about Tuesday, I guess it was, that was so encouraging. And it was one of our church members and he said, got my one, pastor. Got my one. And you remember one of the challenges last week? And the message in the sermon was what? If every faith family member, every covenant church member is sensitive and looks for just one person this week, the Holy Spirit, if you really look for them, and some will say, well, you know, I look, but, but I had to look hard. I, I, had, I had to look hard, you know, and, uh, and, and, but, but God delivered God delivered them. Yes, he delivered them at the gas station. He seemed to do that a lot, amen? And it uh, happened to me, but he delivered them. And so he delivered that person. And so if we all do that, we're all empowered to do that. So we don't do it in our own power. We don't do it because one may have greater charisma than the other or one may be more externally, uh, you know, um, rather than an than, than a, a in, internally focused person. And one may be more outgoing, one may be more reserved is what I'm trying to say there in that. We do it because we're empowered with the Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 2, the sermon title is Church Done Right. Everybody say, Church Done Right. Church done right. Uh, well, I would love to tell you that we've always done it right, that I've always done it right, but that would be a lie. That would be sin, all right, because nobody's perfect in that. And so, so um, one of my faults that uh, I find sometimes is I want to I get ahead. Y'all heard that. There's, there, there's zeal without knowledge, you know what I'm saying? And, and so you want to get ahead. You want to do it. And so we have to wait on the Holy Spirit. We have to let the Holy Spirit do the work, and we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is doing that deeper work, no matter what it might look like on the appearance of things. We have to trust that the Holy Spirit of God is taking people who want it, because he won't force you, to a deeper level in their faith and in their walk with God. Amen? And if you want it, he'll take you there. If you want it, he'll give you the strength. If you want it, he will give you the daily indwelling presence of himself through the Holy Spirit and the filling. So, church done right, the takeaway today is we must never lose sight of how church is done right. And so to do that, we don't look at any other church and say, oh, they're doing it right. 
Now, they may be doing some great things. We may can learn some things they're doing. But we don't look at any other church on this earth. We look at the Word of God, how it is laid out for us, and how the early church was, and how church is done right. Because there's some God-given principles that God wanted us to see through His blessed book, the God-breathed book, the inspired and inerrant, infallible Word of God that we could go to so we wouldn't get distracted by what man might be doing or by, my, or, or by glitter and hype and, and different things that we might miss the main thing. And so thank God uh, that we've got the Bible to look at. And so Acts chapter 2 is where God's going to take us this morning. Let's pray and ask Him to, to speak to us as individuals and corporately as a whole in the strength of His Father. We need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour, God, I reminded the old song, every hour we need you, God. Pass us not, O gentle Savior, but come to us. Lord Jesus, you are here. The Holy Spirit is here, God. Impart to us, Father, your truth, God. It Through the Holy Spirit, God, through yourself, the Word, Lord Jesus Christ, that we would not just be hearers, God, but that we would grow in you and grow deeper in you and become doers of your word, Father God, Lord. Uh, not holding inside, God, the most precious truth, God, and most precious power to ourselves, God, but giving it away as recipients of your grace, Father. Speak to us through your word, Father. Strengthen us as individuals. Strengthen us as a church, Father God. Uh, we, we pray you'll bring, Lord, uh, conviction, Lord, over those who do not know you, Father, that your, your overwhelming love, God, of what you did by taking our cross and bearing the wrath of God, Lord Jesus, for us and dying for our sins would, gra- would, grab, would, 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 would grab them, God, their heart this morning, Father, as you grab my heart, Lord, even at a young age of understanding with that, Lord, and that, but, but that their sins, Lord, uh, would overwhelm them as well, God, um, and, and, and that they have sinned, God, and that you love them enough to forgive them, God. So may salvation come to our home, may strength come to us, may sanctification continue to go, come to believers, Father God, and strengthen us in you, God. Bring the wayward back to you, Father God. Uh, to where you want them to be in this fold, Father God. Remove the enemy, remove the vision, Father God, from keeping us being focused, God, and, and, and fixed on you, Father. Increase our faith, we pray. Make us more like your Son, God, the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. Well, all right, so I'll give you a little bit of chapter 1. Now, when it comes to the book of Acts, before we get into 2, there are three great revelations of the church uh, that I want to give you real quick. As to its origin, Jesus Christ created it. And in Matthew 16, 18, he makes it real clear that he's the head. Now, remember, we're a body, okay? This is just a building. So this concept of I go to church, no, you really don't. You go to a building, uh, but you go to be with the church. You go to be around the body of Christ. Well, Christ is the head, and we are the body. And so the Lord Jesus being the head in Matthew 16, 18, says, I will build whose church? My church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Oh, the enemy will come. The devil will come. The devil will try to prevail against it. The devil will try to stop it. But Jesus is encouraging us all that when the times get tough, and as you follow Christ and you deal with the warfare, I really am coming to the conclusion you'll deal more with tough times than you will with light moments in your Christian walk. And I, I don't think that's a truth that we want to receive because it's not easy to receive, is it? What? I'm called to a lifestyle of suffering? I'm called to a lifestyle of selflessness? I'm called to a lifestyle of dying to myself? And taking up my cross and following Jesus, I'm called to a lifestyle that I can't get even when somebody does me wrong. Yeah, it hurts, doesn't it? 
I'm called to trust God in those pivotal moments in my life when I don't understand what's going on. When, when, when I, I'm called that not only uh, can I feel good when my circumstances are going good, but when they're not going good, then I'm in a dark place. I'm called to not trust in that circumstance or the next great circumstance in my life or the next person in my life. I'm called to trust in Christ and Christ alone. If he's the only one, he's enough. Yeah, it hurts. It's tough, but it's worth it. Amen? It's worth it because he's worth it, and he's the only one worthy to be praised who will never leave us nor forsake it. So number one revelation of the church that we see is in Acts is that Jesus created it. The second one is as to its nature. The first is to its origin. The second is to its nature. The church is one with Christ. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And as to its function, the church is the instrument of Christ. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says that we are, uh, we are everybody say, working together. We are working together as the body of Christ with God, and it's a tremendous privilege to be Christ's member, to be in Christ and be in his members. And one of the things that rattled me and got me when Pastor Henry and I put together the uh, series, the Spirit Let's put together the series um, on uh, basically um, being a covenant, being in covenant with Christ and being a covenant church member. And I'm telling you, if you can grasp what that means, oh my goodness, if you can grasp what that means and makes a commitment to it, I promise you, you'll see automatic growth in your spiritual walk. I promise you. If you'll let the Spirit of God teach you what it means to be in covenant relationship with Christ and what it means to be a covenant church member with your body and not to just blow in the wind when times are tough or blow in the wind when you hear half-truth or, or false truth or, or whatever that is. God will strengthen you in your walk, and God will strengthen this church. Amen? He will do it. I promise you he will do it, and that is from the Spirit. So Acts chapter 2 shows us how our sovereign God rightly began to bring all of this together by bringing the church and... I'm sorry, by birthing the church and revealing the state of the early church. So let's look at Acts chapter 2. First of all, in Acts chapter 2, we see, and then I'll give you the scripture, we see the right moment in the life of the church. Not their moment, not the disciples' moment, not the apostles' moment there, not those in Jerusalem, not the Jews' moment. We see the right moment being God's right moment in the life of the church. Verse 1, look at it in chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place. I told you last Sunday in Acts chapter 1, we were 10 days prior to this when Jesus is talking to them to tell them to go and wait. Well, now it is that day. It's the day of Pentecost, and it was going to be an amazing day in the life of the, the disciples, the apostles, the church, and even in our life that we can look back to it. You see, Pentecost means 50th. And they were all together in one place as they had been commanded to go by Jesus Christ. And the day of Pentecost, let me give you a little history on it, what it stands for. It was an annual spring festival at which the Jews presented the first fruits of their wheat harvest to God. Exodus talks about it in Exodus 34. The Jews also called Pentecost the Feast of Harvest, another term, and the Feast of the Weeks in earlier times. They celebrated it at the end of seven weeks, the week of weeks, following the Feast of Passover. And y'all remember, if you go back to the Old Testament, and some have never heard this story, and, and I want to give you a little bit of the Old Testament because it's God's Word to us as well. Um, but Passover, if you remember, is where the Spirit of God, God spoke and told the believers that if they would uh, take the blood of a lamb and apply it over the doorpost, that when the judgment of God came through, that he would what? Pass over them. 
And the beauty in that story and message is the same thing we talked about literally in uh, Sunday school this morning about our justification of what, what God has done for us through the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it happened through what? The blood. The blood of Jesus. But what the blood of an animal couldn't do for us, Christ came to do for us. And that's what Luke's been saying in Luke chapter 1. Here's the Son of God. Here's the, here's the Son of God, Son of Man. And He's came and He has proven Himself. And His miracle has proven Himself. And now He's leaving so that greater things can happen. He's leaving so that even greater things can happen in and through who? His church, His body, His people. And so. So Passover, they basically would celebrate, and God received a new crop of believer Christians on this particular day of Pentecost. And then you see all through the book of Acts, and I'll point those out along the way to where the, the Spirit of God is just falling upon the people, the place people are turning to Christ. And the Jews also celebrated Pentecost at the anniversary of the giving of the Mosaic Law. Paul regarded the Spirit's indwelling presence as God's replacement for the external guidance of the Mosaic Law uh, and, um, that had been provided for the um, Old Testament uh, believers. And I'll remind you about the law. We don't throw the law out. We don't throw the Old Testament out. We need to have great understanding of it. We need to see the benefit. Jesus didn't come to abolish it, he said, but he come to fulfill it. Amen? And, and, and so he come that we would understand grace, um, now, Pentecost fell on the 50th day after the Passover, and all Jewish males, Bible scholars say, within 20 miles of Jerusalem were required to come to the central sanctuary. Exodus 34 talks about that. Now, so that's what's going on here in the right moment in the life of the church. The disciples have obeyed, the apostles have obeyed, and they went, and they have waited, and it's about to happen. So not only do we see the right moment in the life of the church in Acts chapter 2, we see the right minister in the life of the church. Look at verse 2 through 13 as we walk through this entire chapter, all right? It says that, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And as at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. What's going on here? Each person who has come uh, from all these other ethnicities, all these different languages, all these different backgrounds, I've seen the Spirit of God fall on these apostles as God said it was, and now they're speaking in these other people's languages. Some Bible scholars say that not only in the other people's languages, but almost the accent of that language, you know. And we joke about that in my family because when I'm around people uh, that do not speak like me, that do not have the southern drawl and charm, uh, you know, those of you that know me real well, I have a tendency to try to not only connect with them, I have a tendency to try to sound like them. Does that make sense? So I start to say, y'all pray for me, but I don't know. Maybe God's using that somehow. Uh, but it is true, all right? So if I'm talking to a Latino, I'll find myself talking like a Latino, okay? Even though I can't speak good Spanish. When I go to West Africa, the, guy, the teams will tell you that have been to West Africa with me. When I go to speak uh, West Africa, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't just, you know, say their wording in English in my southern accent. I say it like them. I'll be standing there talking to them, and they're kind of looking at me like, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have the language, but he seems to have the feel. You know what I'm saying? He seems to be trying to talk like us, and so I'll spare you all from that. Um, but that is what was happening here. So the right minister in the life of the church that is happening here in verse 2 through 13, and we'll get back to that, 
of what is going on. Verse 5, Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And look again, at this time, this, at, 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 at this time the sound of the multitude came together. When the multitude came together, they were bewildered because this is what they heard, these apostles speaking their language. Now verse 7, They were amazed. That's what God will do. He will amaze you. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will amaze you. And astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phyra and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, and always going to be the doubt, right? Because the enemy's around. They are filled with new wine. They are filled with new wine. So the right minister in the life of the church is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he would come, and I'll remind you in these verses how he came. He said he will be a mighty rushing wind. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit of God, and we've had a series on the Holy Spirit of God, and, uh, but if you're new, one thing that we point out is the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a thing. He's not a what. He's not a it. He is a person. He is a person. That's very important that we understand that about the Godhead. But, but Jesus says, uh, and the Word of God says, uh, basically here, that a mighty rushing wind came. Now, like the Holy Spirit, somebody could say, you know, well, well how do you know he's real? Can you see? Mm-mm. No, I can't see him. But guess what? It's like those songs that you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart because I'm a wicked sinner. And if left alone by myself, I know I wouldn't be on this stage today. I know I wouldn't be married and be a one-woman man. I know I wouldn't have the blessings of raising three children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, not exasperating them to wrath and training them up in the way that a child should go. And once they get out, that's up to them, whether they'll follow the Spirit and you just trust God to bring them back, back, back to His will if, if they ever get out of it, and to walk them through it. The same way you've got to raise yours. But you ask me how I know, because I know who I am, amen? And I know whose I am. And I know if it were not for the grace of God, where I would be by my own choices. Now, that's a word for somebody. Now, some of you in here are going to go, well, I just wasn't that way growing up. I wasn't quite the hell you knew were. <laughs> and I'm going to love you enough to tell you you're a little too much full of yourself if you think you brought yourself to where you're at in your goodness. And God graced you to be a better kid than he did me. Or he might have graced you to be raised in a better home environment than some of us were raised in. Or, you, know, you get what I'm saying? And so, so we, we, it's all by the grace of God. So the Holy Spirit, a mighty rushing wind, he says in verse 2. A filling wind, he talks about. A spreading wind. Look at all this. A spreading wind and an individual filling wind in verse 3 and verse 4 that he talks about. That it literally, look, it, it divided out. So it was one fire, it divided out, and then it set, it set on. That was a representation, okay? Now when, we, when you receive the Holy Spirit as a believer, we receive it now. It's not the same, and it's not meant to be the same. As far as, God, Pastor Toby's got fire on him. He's got this big ball of fire, and he comes up and preaches on the Holy Spirit, and the people that want it, it just kind of jumps on them, and everybody can see who's getting the fire, amen? This fire above their head. And they start talking in, a, in, in, in you know, a foreign language, and they have that capability. No, no that, that doesn't happen. That doesn't, and that's okay. This happens because it was the apostles who had been with Christ, they had seen Christ, and it was a divine moment that God says is going to happen that's going to birth the church for them to spread out, for, for, the, for, the, uh, for the Spirit to complete His work and spread out. And we'll talk more about what all that looks like as we work through the book as a whole. 
um, uh, with, with, with all, the, all those things about how the Spirit spreads out, the gifts and all those things and what the Word says. So a spreading wind, an individual filling wind that he will, he will fill you as an individual, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it was an intrigued audience is what verse 5 and verse 13 is talking about. It says they were amazed, they were astonished, there were, there were those who knew that it, was, that it had to be something divine, and there were those just like they'll be on your street when you're obedient to sharing the gospel who the enemy sows seeds of doubt, they entertain it, they doubt God, the existence of God, they believe a secular professor or whatever the case is, and, and they'll always be that. So they were those who said they must be drunk. Now, Peter, remember, the guy who denies Jesus, absolutely scared of a little teenage girl calling him out when the tough time's on, and when the tough time's going on and Christ's going to the cross, a little teenage girl's calling, aren't you? Oh, I'm not one. I'm gone, all right? Oh, Lord, I'll never deny. <laughs> Sorry, that's my best rooster, all right? But, is it, Lord, is he going to do it two more times? No, I'll spare you. But anyway, Peter had to hear it three more times, right? But, the same thing I said earlier, that I know who I am, and I know where I'd be if it wasn't for the grace of God, and I live in Lord Jesus Christ, Peter experienced the same man. Peter experienced... Can I tell you something? When you experience Jesus Christ, and you experience the Holy Spirit of God, and He enters you, you have to serve Jesus. And if you say, no, I don't, and you say you're happy, I do not see how you can be His servant, His child. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't know what that means and who that's for, but when Jesus Christ saves you, sets you apart in your sanctification, which is a growing process, the Holy Spirit of God will probe you and probe you and probe you to serve your Lord Jesus. Amen, Ray Stubblefield? Been doing it almost 86 years. Well, maybe not all those years. You wouldn't save when you was born. June says you're still a sinner and reminds you. But anyway, all right, so anyway, but faithful, faithful to the call of Christ, faithful to teaching the Word of God. You've got to serve Him. He may not call you to teach, but you've got to, you've got to have something in you pointing you toward doing it. And when I say you've got to serve him, I'll come back and say, you don't have to serve him. You with me? He won't make you. He won't force you. So I guess what I need to say is, if the Spirit of God is in us, he'll put something in us to give us the desire, the want to, and he'll convict us when we're not doing it. Every believer in here, and we'll talk about it, every believer in here, has a gift that God wants to use in and through you. Are you using that gift? Are gifts, it's generally gifts. Are you using that gift? And if not, you got to get along with God and say, God, I want to. God, show me how to use it. Now, Peter, this man, transformed by God, seen the resurrected Christ, um, changed his life, turned him upside down, literally to the degree that when he died, he said, I'm not worthy of being crucified like Jesus. Crucify me upside down. Amazing change. Amazing transformation. But that's what we find from scholars in addition to the Bible when we study his life and, and how he died, they say. So we see not only the right moment in the life of the church, not only the right minister in the life of the church, the Holy Spirit, we see the right message. Look at verse 14 through verse 41, all right? And we're going to get through this, I promise. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. So it's Peter. Get this picture. It's Peter 
who was the leader, Peter the leader, all right, of the disciples, that God gave him the ability to lead, um, and it's the other 11. Well, who's that 11th one? It was handled in Acts chapter 1, so to bring you up to speed with what the Word of God says, they replaced Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, uh, with Matthias, okay? And so the 11 are there besides Peter. He's preaching with the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him. He uh, addressed them. He said, men of Judea, look at verse 14, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, he addresses those naysayers, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what um, uttered through the prophet Joel. And he goes back to prophecy. And, it, the last, and in the last days shall be God, um, it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon into blood, before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I would say amen right there if I've been if I've, if I've called upon, amen, if I've called upon his name. He saved me by his grace. And I mean, man, Peter is laying it down here. Look, he goes on. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Now, here's where he just brings it, buddy. He brings the gospel. The gospel. Why the gospel? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. What needs to happen in Charlottesville, Virginia right now is not something the government can do, not something socialism can do. It's only what the power of God's word, the gospel, can do. And we need to pray for it right now. Father, in Jesus' name, you are Lord over all. You are sovereign. You know the world we live in, God. Your heart, Father God, uh, Lord, detests, Lord, sin. But God, even the people, Father God, that we would look at, God, and God, even turn our nose up at, Father, by their actions and the way they are, Father God. You love them, God. You do not, Father Lord, agree with what they're doing in sin. But God, you love them, and it is only your love and your word and your grace and your gospel, Lord, that can change them. And we ask in Jesus' name, you bring that, you protect the deliverer of your gospel, trying to reach those people, and you stir the heart of your church to Get outside the four walls and be the church, Father Lord, that those lives can be changed and you can bring unity. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Only God can give us a better America, a blessed America, a united America. Only, God, only, only the gospel can do that. That's the only way it's going to happen. And he says, men of Israel, verse 22, he says, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Now get, look at this, verse 20. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is, he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or to let your Holy One see corruption. You, God, and only you have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Now, Peter goes back. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both 
died, he was buried, and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would send, uh, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of all that we are witnesses. Amen. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, Jesus that is, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So he's preaching the gospel. And he's preaching to them who, here's the deal, to them, to these Old Testament Jews, who had rejected Jesus Christ and didn't want him the way God sent him, David to them was like Muhammad is to the Muslim. Are you following what I'm saying? The, the, the Muslims do not want Jesus Christ, do not want to profess and claim that he's the Son of God in God himself, and the Jews did not want Jesus Christ either the way God sent him. They would rather have David even. And Peter's clearing it up and saying, David's not Jesus. There is no greater, there is no latter prophet. There is no greater prophet than God's son. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both the Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, look at this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So the gospel worked. The gospel got them. The Holy Spirit was at work in them. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, hallelujah, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. We talked about that in Ephesians. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word, which was the gospel, were baptized. And look at this. There were added that day about 3,000 souls into the church. Could we say amen again for 3,000 souls? Amen. Added into the church of God. The right message, the fulfillment of prophecy we see in verse 14 through 21. And then a message of truth that brought conviction is what I just read to you. Now look real quick with me. The right movement. <laughs> I love this part. This is where we get to seeing church done right. And they devoted, these, these believers, the apostles, the believers, everybody together in Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together, and had all things, everybody say all things, all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, not to the guy on TV who said, send it to him and he'll pray over it and bless you. They were bringing it into the local storehouse so that God could use the church to be a blessing to one another and to others, both those within the faith family and those uh, that were outside of the faith family. And so we see God's hand upon them, and all of a sudden they, they're devoted to the teaching, they're devoted to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the communion, remembering what Christ did as we do communion, and the prayers, the prayers. And so then the all, the all comes upon them. Look at verse 44, okay? Because signs and wonders are happening in verse 43. And all who believed were together, had all things in common, 
selling their possessions. Look at verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's church done right, amen? That's how God works. He gets a hold of our entire heart. So we see the right movement, and that's the church. We see church done right. Here's what we see as the band comes into place. We see devoted disciples, devoted disciples to the doctrine, the Word of God. If more people would devote to the Word of God rather than listening to man's opinion, they would know what's going on with the Spirit of God. They would know what's going on in their life and what God wants to do, and we would know what's going on in the life of God's church. So they were devoted to the Word. They were devoted to one another. They, they devoted to the cause of Christ. That was, that was the communion part. The devoting to one another was the fellowship, which, by the way, I'm pretty stoked because on August the 27th, we're going to break our 21-day fast. Could I get a witness? Hallelujah. Even though it's such a blessing. I'm telling you, when I say that, it is a kind of funny moment, but I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm being so blessed by, by that biblical discipline, so you pray for me. But on August 27th, what I'm really stoked about is not the eggs, the biscuit, and the gravy. I'm stoked about the fellowship of where we're going to come in here on Sunday morning during this time, and we're going to get around a round table, and we're going to fellowship with one another and get to know each other a little better. Amen? Because we're God's church. We're God's church. And I'm just going to go ahead and challenge you when you do that to come in here and know one another. Don't sit with the same people you talk to all the time. Overcome that insecurity. Overcome it. Sit down and talk with one of your brothers and sisters in Christ that you don't know and get to know them. Amen? We'll help you. That feels awkward. You know what I'm saying? We'll help you. Your first date felt a little awkward, didn't it? Look what God did through that. Some of you need to confess and then remember what God did through that, right? And so, but it's going to be a good time. And so, so we, 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 want to, we want to know one another. We want to know one another as the body of Christ and the fellowship. They were devoted to that, devoted to prayer. Been praying for a year and a half. God, raise up more prayer warriors in your church. For a year and a half, every day, been praying. God. Increase the prayer warriors in your church. And I thank God that God is working. I thank God for the prayers of some of you who the devil comes against and says, it's not working. They're not working. Don't you see that? They're not working. The devil's a liar, amen? And when God's people pray, God has to move. It's not that we're telling him, as I shared with the elders this morning in our prayer time. It's not that we're telling God how to work. It's that God told us if we'll pray, ask, seek, and knock, as Henry pointed out Wednesday night, God of heaven will move. Amen? God of heaven will move. And we need a movement. Because the enemy wants to move you away from God, the deeper things of God. And I'm telling you, if you buy into the lies of the devil, no matter who may be speaking it, you'll miss God and where He wants to take you. This church will miss God and where He wants to take us. So in awe and awareness of the presence of God, verse 43, a community living in unity, a selfless giving and ministering body, and a consistent and grateful group of believers who had the right motive, verse 30, 47, giving all glory to God as He graciously used them to point others to Him. Now, as you bow your head and close your eyes, this is our time of response this morning to the message. As you bow your head and you close your eyes, just some questions. Do you know for certain that the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of you? How do you know it? How do you know it? And I want to remind you of something we talked about in Sunday school this morning. 
Be careful of letting the devil confuse you and get you to focus on it having to do anything with you. <laughs> because it didn't. Your salvation had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I hope you get what I'm saying. When I say your salvation had nothing to do with you, I mean it had nothing to do with you being able to save yourself. But you can answer that question by saying, does the Holy Spirit do what Jesus said he would do? Does he convict me when I sin? Does he comfort me when I need encouraged? Does he put something in me that drives me toward God's word, even if I refuse it? Does he do that? Do you know for certain the Holy Spirit's living inside of you? You say, Pastor, I don't. I'm not sure. What do I do? The same thing these people did when Peter preached. Repent of those sins. Ask God to forgive you and ask him to save you. And you don't even need me to lead you in that, by the way. You just do it. He'll save you. Second, do you see yourself as being personally responsible for crucifying Christ? Do you? And how does it make you feel? I'm convinced a person will never understand and really come to Jesus and be transformed till they see themselves in their sin and what He did for us in that state and confess that He is, not only confess our sin, but confess that He is Lord. And then, how is your devotion toward the Word of God, believer? How is your devotion toward one another? How's your devotion to the cause of Christ? How's your devotion to prayer, daily prayer, praying without ceasing through the day? How's your devotion to unity, church, and mine? How's your devotion to selfless ministry? How's our devotion to being a consistent and grateful member? And lastly, are you glorifying God by leading others to Him? Are you glorifying God by leading others to Him? I ask you to stand to your feet in our, in our moments together here. And as you stand to your feet, I'm going to ask the elders. Elders, if you'll just come down front, okay? Elders, if you'll come down front. Deacons, if you're in the room, if you'll come down and gather around behind the elders, deacons, guys who are serving. Small group leaders, which is some of our elders and deacons, quite a bit of that. But if you're another small group leader, you don't serve in those biblical offices, would you just come down, kind of get in this setting? Come down and get in this setting. And then church members, lay members, as the Spirit leads you, will you just come in and file behind these and let's just kind of branch out across this congregation. If there's room for you to move and God tells you to move, move. If there's not and you just need to stand in your seat because that's where they come, where we've branched out to you, whatever it looks like, but I want us gathered in prayer. I want us as a body gathered in prayer. As a body gathered in prayer. As the Spirit leads you to be a part of this body and this prayer covering, I, I just... just you can lift a hand forward, whatever he lifts you to do, but just to signalize you're a part. If you'll just find a posture before God, whatever that is, in your spirit, sit in your chair, whatever, lift a hand forward as we pray, as we pray out to God for the Holy Spirit of God to fill us, anoint us, and as we pray that we're the believer and the church that he's called us to be. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. And I'm going to pray it. I'm going to pray it led by the Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit 
of the living God fall fresh on us. Mold us. Break us. Melt us, Lord. Whatever it takes, God. We are yours. You are ours. You are our Lord. You are our head. Lord, we confess, God, that we are so in need of you every day, the filling of your spirit, the indwelling of your spirit. Lord, these are your people, God. This is your flock, Lord. This is your pasture, Lord Jesus. Every one of us, God, look to you for direction, God. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Make us one with you. Make us one with one another. And give us the heart, Lord Jesus, that you had for those yet to come, Father. We love you. We praise you. We praise you for the precious people that have been drawn by your Spirit in this place today, God. We praise you for the salvation that has come, Lord, to those who confessed and asked and believed. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say this before we clap and dismiss. If you prayed today that prayer and you confessed and turned it over to Jesus, all you have to do, we wouldn't, we wouldn't point you out. We wouldn't embarrass you in any way like that. But the deal is you won't be ashamed. And so let us know your name. Jesus knows your name, but he wants the church to know your name. Fill that out on that Connect card. Come and share with me. Share with one of the elders. Uh, and we would love to rejoice and tell you about the next step of baptism. Church, can we give God glory, amen, for who he is, amen? Who he is. And, and be the church. Be the church. Be the church. Keep, don't let up. Don't let up fasting and praying. Somebody say, I didn't get in on it. Get in on it this week, amen? 14 days is better than none, amen? Get in on it this week. Fast and pray. Give up what's closest to you and tell God you want him more. And I promise God will move in your life. Love you. Hug somebody. Celebrate. Invite that one this week, amen? God bless you.